means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are covering chapter 24, Aquamancy. It's a much shorter title than the last time <laughs> our guest was on. Elizabeth is back that with us. That was like, what, 16 words long or something yeah, like that? Yeah, uh, St. Mungo's Hospital <laughs> for Magical Maladies and Injuries. That's yeah, a long chapter. That's a lot of words. But hello everyone. This is a one word chapter title, which I am a fan of. <laughs> We are back to our regular guest program. We hope you all enjoyed the belated binge crossover episode that we had last week. I enjoyed it. I thought you guys had a really good conversation. Yeah, it was it was nice to have Zach on. Uh, he's got a really cool Harry Potter podcast over there, so check him out. We are getting into an interesting branch of magic. Yeah. In this chapter, and I, you know, we haven't really gone into it in our pre-episode prep about what our opinions are on it <laughs> but um stay tuned for you that wait maybe i'm gonna have something that's completely against you like normal and then it's gonna be like oh my gosh debate maybe maybe we'll you know <laughs> just have a full-blown fight on the podcast or we'll, we'll just completely agree and then it won't be that or interesting or we could agree <laughs> that could happen too so basically this chapter is broken mm -hmm. down to a couple of different things we got uh, our last moments at Grimwald Place mm -hmm. uh, for the Christmas holiday before they go back to Hogwarts, and there is an interesting interaction between a couple of adults in this. Uh, in this, I mean, interesting is one way to put it. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> we get an interesting interaction between Sirius and Snape at the kitchen table, uh -huh. uh, and then we get our another appearance of the night bus. As we take the night bus to get back to Hogwarts, yeah. Who had that on their bingo card as coming back? You know, I will give her credit. She's finding unique ways to get them to school in different ways. <laughs> this is like the fifth, sixth, seventh different way she's gotten them to school. But mm -hmm. uh, So we see that. We get a return to Hogwarts, which immediately means we get a Harry Cho interaction. Mm -hmm. And then we get the actual Occlumency class mm -hmm. uh, with, with Harry and Snape, which uh, we will delve into uh, <laughs> quite intensely. Grimald Place. Yes. We get... Serious becoming a little bit grumpier. Christmas is over, so that means the vacation's ending soon. Yeah, the delight of having everyone over is now dimming a bit as everybody's getting ready to leave Grimald Place. Yeah, the only one who isn't leaving is Creature, because apparently he was lurking in the attic, so... And he seems happier. Yeah, which Harry is very suspicious of, but Sirius is just kind of like, eh, he's here, whatever, cool. You know what no one's happy about? Hmm. Except for maybe Molly Weasley. Molly Weasley is very like indifferent towards this whole thing. Hmm. She just calls up, hey, Harry, uh, Professor Snape is here to see yeah. you. And everybody's <laughs> like, like, what? Talk about taking you off guard. You're on vacation. And now your teacher's being like, come downstairs. I have to talk to you about this new class you have to take. Like, no, I'm on vacation. Go away. It's, it's a little... Uh, can I just state for... One thing that I'm just realizing now, hmm. Mrs. Weasley's here. Mm -hmm. And presumably everybody is here. Mm -hmm. 
then we get into that meeting where Harry goes downstairs and Sirius is waiting at the kitchen table and him and Snape are like anti-face-off where they're staring <laughs> in different directions and they're bluntly ignoring each other. Uh-huh. But then we get like a re-entrance of like the Weasleys oh, later. I Kind of. Did they it, leave when Harry went in and then quickly I came back? I feel like all the kids were hanging around in their rooms and maybe Molly like quickly darted out and came back that or arthur like apparated or because how much time did we really spend having this conversation i can't believe it was a very long time no i would think probably like either she apparated or he like food network or something popped back and then well maybe not you know what i'm saying maybe not the food network because then that would be connected there's some time shenanigans here that i'm like wait a second how did this i I mean it's magic we have magical transportation maybe he took the night bus (laughs) recovering from the hospital let's get him on the night bus let's open those bandages right back up again yeah no but he he does go downstairs to talk to professor snape professor not just snape it's professor snape show some respect but uh, you're right. Yeah, like Sirius was just looking at the ceiling. He wouldn't look directly at Snape. He kept raising his voice whenever Snape would talk, and Snape was doing the exact opposite, with like lowering his voice, almost like a whisper. But they're not happy with each other. They're not. And I think Sirius mentions it later. The quote is, "Oh, it's just two old schoolboys having a chat." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, it does get kind of down to the root. Thing. obviously you know they're going look no one is blameless here right they're both throwing barbs at each other and to be fair in their history their childhood like you know the trauma that makes them not hate each other Sirius wasn't innocent snape wasn't innocent so the two of them come in head to head of course they each see themselves as the better of the two um but snape doesn't want to be there as much as Sirius doesn't want him to be here Right. I mean, you get that the line of Sirius being like, you know, this is my house. You don't get to give orders in my house. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. But Snape, and by the way, Snape acknowledges that. And he's like, all right, fine. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Also, and then he starts throwing barbs about like how Sirius is hiding away in his house while other people are out doing work. Malfoy's recognized him and his dog form. So therefore, now you have a Ready-made excuse to never leave again. Be in the safety of Mama's house. Snape is very good at targeting his words to cut the deepest. Yes. He's very, very good at it. Yes, he's very skilled. Which, I mean, includes him calling Sirius a coward, which seems to hit him the hardest. And my question for you with that was, like, do you think coward as an insult hits Sirius even harder because we know bravery is associated with Gryffindors and he's the Gryffindor of his Slytherin family. And he's literally in his Slytherin family home. So it's like an extra, I have to be different from them. If the Slytherin head of house is calling me a coward, there's like the extra bite to it. I think that's definitely a part of it. Mm -hmm. All of the house stuff I think plays a part. But I don't I don't ever think Sirius is just sitting there thinking like this Slytherin is calling me out for being, <laughs> you know, a coward and I'm a Gryffindor. I don't think he's that, but I think that 
inherent underlying qualities of each house mm. are at play here. Like a subconscious kind of Yeah. And I think Sirius obviously views himself as a very competent, capable, willing participant if he was called upon. Mm-hmm. And I think think the idea that someone is ignoring that uh, potential worthiness mm-hmm. gets to him because he is on the sideline. I mean, it's it's like a star athlete who feels like they can contribute to a team and they're riding the bench. Right. And it's frustrating. Right. And it's like, this is a waste of my talents. This is a waste of my brain. This is a waste of everything I can potentially add. And I think he recognizes, like, this is the right move for him to be benched, but it just sucks. If you're Dumbledore, it has to be hard, because you know Sirius is capable mm-hmm. of carrying out many different jobs and abilities. It must be hard for Dumbledore to sit a talent like that on the bench yeah, and not be able to use him. And quite honestly, I don't know if there isn't ways that you can use serious i think there probably is ways that you can get him out of the house he survived on his own <laughs> all for last months year. and months and months and months and months uh, on his own do you think part of it might be just the fact that they need someone at the black house you know as like <clears throat> this is the order like headquarters someone should be there especially since we do have creature there you know like a loose thread, so someone should always be there keeping an eye on it. Yeah, but I feel like this is a misfire by Dumbledore. I feel like Dumbledore has to <laughs> read the room, per mm. se, and be <laughs> like, this is this is only going to cause problems. Mm. Like, if Sirius has to be at the house, fine. But there's things, I firmly believe there are probably things you can have Sirius do Mm-hmm. to get him out of the house and be productive in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Sirius is locked down because he's a fugitive in the UK. Right. Why can't you have him go international? Yeah, send him abroad. He recruit, can talk to some people. Recruit wizards, recruit creatures, recruit whatever you have to do abroad mm-hmm. that maybe he's less of a wanted man. I'm sure he's still... Well, we know he went abroad last year. I'm sure he talked to some people over there. Like... Where those tropical birds were. Get some allies. There's got to be a use for him. And I I wonder if this is just a massive miscalculation by Dumbledore not to use a wizard of his abilities Mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. You really can't... You're really telling me, like, you can't find a use for him? Right. I feel like that's a failure on you. Right. But anyway... In any case, the fact that this conversation between these two men ended with Harry physically putting his body between them to separate them from, like, attacking each other is absolutely insane. Did you get the vibe <laughs> that that this back and forth between Sirius and Snape mirrored Harry and Draco? 100%. I, I feel like they literally devolved... The two of them <laughs> devolved back. into 15-year-old boys yeah. sniping each other with petty, yeah. shallow, meaningless barbs mm-hmm. and just riling each other up to a level that gets ridiculous. With Harry having to be the adult in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> they do get interrupted, though, because you're right, Arthur is home. He is cured. 
He's never going to deal with muggle, med- muggle remedies ever again. So says Molly. We'll see if that if he keeps to that or not. But he's home and now Snape is out of the house. Yes, but <laughs> before he leaves the house, he drops the news that the whole point of his arrival right. is that he is carrying a message from Dumbledore that Dumbledore wishes Harry begin Aquamancy lessons. Mm-hmm. And what is Aquamancy? It's a magical defense of the mind against external penetration. Right. And... Which, I mean, even if you just break down the name Aquamancy, as J.K. Rowling usually does with all her, like, terminology and stuff, it's a combination of the Latin words mens, meaning mind, and occluder, which means to close up. So it literally translates to to close up the mind. These lessons are to begin, like, immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, Monday at 6 Mm p.m. Like, literally the next day, next evening. Obviously, Snape is delivering this lesson because... (laughs) Well, Snape's delivering this message because he's the man doing it. Right. And I love that his reaction and Harry's reaction to this news is the same of, like, this sucks, I don't want to do it. (laughs) This is not... They He basically... (laughs) Like, obviously, Harry is like, I'm sorry, a what? Right. This and, is not how I want to spend my Monday nights. And Snape is like, I don't want to do this either, but here we are. <laughs> I want to get into... Snape, later on, it tells us that this is a particularly rare circumstance, that a student is learning something that's not a formal class at Hogwarts. Mm. But I do want to like ask the question, if there are lessons that students want to particularly learn, mm-hmm. or like that... an independent study kind of thing? Yeah, or that a teacher or headmaster thinks is appropriate for that student, Mm -hmm. can they pick up little side lessons? I would hope so, because that sounds really cool. (laughs) Like, I I mean, like, if it literally is like an independent study, you're not getting tested on stuff. It's just literally learning, which is supposed to be, like, the point of school. But if it's aimed and directed at you, then I would imagine the effort behind it would be... Like, you want to do it? Mm-hmm. Of course, Harry doesn't want to do this, but I think it'd be interesting to learn. I don't know. We can, we can get we can more get to it, it yeah. in a bit. Um, <clears throat> so, we get to the next day they are leaving for Hogwarts, and they decide that the best way to do this is to take the night bus. And it's not a happy leaving. I mean, Harry has this, like, feeling like, you know, something's off. I don't want to go. I don't want to leave Sirius behind in this gloomy house where he's alone with his thoughts and creature. Like, and then plus going back to Hogwarts means just returning to Umbridge. So, <laughs> and no Quidditch. Like, life just kind of sucks right now. I, I don't want to go. Before he leaves, though, Sirius does give Harry a gift. Not a Christmas gift. I think this is just an inspired by Snape coming He gave him some object that he described as being the size of a paperback book. It's all wrapped up. And he said that it's a way for him to know if Snape bullies him with these Aquamancy lessons. And Harry immediately is like, okay, cool, thanks. And then thinks to himself, I'm never going to use this. I feel like that's a (laughs) short-sighted thought. Like, to not even... Not even open it. Yeah, I feel like that's short-sighted. Or at least not ask him about it. Like, hey, how does this work? Right. Or, I, get, I get they were, like, getting rushed out the door, but 
my own natural curiosity to be like, I want to open the package at least to see what it is before I determine if I, I'm going to use it or not. I understand this is a potential opportunity for a massive miscommunication mm -hmm. where they just leave things unsaid between mm -hmm. them. Like Harry not choosing not to say like, hey, be careful, like keep your head down. I know Snape got you, but like just right. chill. And Sirius not maybe explaining this gift, gift at all so that <laughs> Harry just thinks like, oh, I'm going to provoke him to leave by right. using this. Right. Which I don't think like as rash as Sirius can be, he's not dumb. No, he's not an idiot. So Harry just kind of, Harry buys into the hype. He buys into that. Ah, oh, Sirius is an irrational dude. I might, you know, get him out of the, you know. I think Hermione's in his head too much with that. Kinda, yeah. yeah it's Hermione's partially to blame because she, because <laughs> she puts that image of Sirius out there quite a bit, and mm -hmm. so does Molly, and so does a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And well, it's technically true. There's a point to where Sirius is like, okay, I'm not gonna right. like throw everything under the bus just so I can. Right, I'm not going to put myself in danger yeah. because I'm your godfather and I want to be around for you. Yeah, it, it's 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 a potential miscommunication just based on the things left unsaid. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you also get an interesting interaction as Harry goes down and he sees Lupin and Tonks uh, kind of whispering. Mm -hmm. And then as I you said, know, the minute they the trio entered the kitchen, they immediately stopped whispering. Per Order of Phoenix law. As, as, <laughs> right. as, as soon as a child is within earshot, <laughs> stop talking. Yeah. Anyway, the, Lupin and Tonks are the ones escorting them to Hogwarts. Right. Via the night bus. Via the night bus. So we get another night bus mention, and Ron mentions that he's never been on it, and he would like to. Well, he's a fool, because the night bus is not a very fun ride. No, but it's convenient. Very I mean, convenient. my goodness, that is a asset to just be like able to throw out your hand and then if you're truly stranded right this thing is it's a lifesaver yeah but then you get on it and you're like oh gosh this driver doesn't know how to drive and stuff is constantly being thrown all over the place hey they get you from point a to point b <laughs> they do their job well my point b is i hate it in the movie and i think it's awful cool. they have that little shrunken head that's so unnecessary shrunken heads are a part of the magical world hey i'm i'm i have nothing against shrunken heads i we, i just <laughs> saw an odd statement to <laughs> say <laughs> i just saw beetlejuice i went to the, the to the theater to see the musical loved it love the little shrunken head dude that's in the afterlife there all for it but i think this little shrunken head in the movie that they have hanging there just with his commentary so unnecessary as a choice there's so many choices in the movies that like you know they could have kept it it would have how... been a tiny detail that just added a little extra magic to the story but no we're gonna use our own imagination and we're gonna toss in like just no you're completely ignoring the fact that they actually treat the night bus remarkably accurately <laughs> like they do a very good job of depicting the night bus i still hate the shrunken head there's no mention of that in the books so one minute <laughs> detail yes, destroys the entire <laughs> well-done depiction of the night bus. I'm not saying it's a rational opinion. <laughs> I'm just saying it's my opinion. Fair enough. 
Uh, so anyway. <laughs> Ron changes his opinion on the night bus too. So I he think does. he's on my side. Well, it's not a pleasant ride, but <laughs> no, it still gets it's it. Not. <laughs> anyway, uh, we do get another Stan-Harry interaction as Stan lets Harry know, like, oh, I've been reading a lot about you in the paper. And, right. You know, I kept talking to him. Like, you know, he didn't seem like he was all that crazy when I met him that one time. I just love the fact that Harry thinks to himself and recognizes he's like, I don't think Stan really cares about me one way or the other. He's just impressed by the fact that I was in the paper. Probably. Like... Like, wow, this man is, is you know, he's he's celebrity struck by me. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I find amazing hmm. is the fact that this night bus pulls right up to Hogwarts. <laughs> like, right up to the front gates. I love how every, like, Harry notices all three levels of the bus, like, looking out the windows. And he, like, he's, I don't know if he thinks that they're looking at him or not, but I'm like, these people probably all went to Hogwarts, right? So it's kind of like a, hey, look, I went there. I went to school. Probably a there. little bit. It's kind of amazing that it just pulls right up to the front gates like that. And mm -hmm. uh, I think back to Chamber of Secrets when they couldn't get onto the platform and they decided to take right. the car if instead of... they had put out their, their hands and... Understandably, Harry didn't know about this yet because it's in Prisoner of Azkaban that he right. learns this. But if they had just waited two seconds for an adult <laughs> they probably would have gotten the night bus there but they're anyway. just like yeah get dropped off at school by your parents what a concept so we return to hogwarts and <clears throat> harry says it's it's a rough day mm -hmm. because uh obviously he started out with you know potions again and uh umbrage and divination i think are all of his monday classes monday's not a fun day monday's not a fun day now you have the extra class which snape has told him if anybody asks about this mm -hmm. just tell them you're taking remedial potions right they'll they'll understand <laughs> right which is like again snape is really really good at those cutting comments it, well, here, <laughs> here it's particularly good because it's cutting but it's also you need the cover right and it say what you will it's a fair cover right because if you've seen harry and snape's class you know they have an issue <laughs> however the cover then breaks when you know would would snape really love to have harry right. and like that's where it starts to fall well, apart that or, like the fact that he hasn't necessarily offered this extra class uh, mcgonagall's like making me do remedial potions with snape just to get my grade get up my grade up <laughs> uh, yeah. yep <laughs> he has one happy moment, which involves Cho. He sees her, and she's... <laughs> I mean, that alone is enough. Although, to be fair, he said when he saw her, his stomach leapt uncomfortably, which I get maybe it's supposed to be like, oh, I got butterflies in my stomach. But I feel like uncomfortably is a weird adverb to stick there. To be fair, he's also been pestered all day by DA members being like, when are we doing this? When are we doing this? Can we do it tonight? Right. Can we do it tonight? He's so like, mm. he's mentally prepping for that to be the conversation being had right now. And he's like, I don't really want to tell Cho that I'm taking remedial potions. <laughs> see, I could see that, but I also took it as a little bit like, wow, a, a reminder that like of what happened between them before break, which I really don't think he's given a second thought to all of break. Whereas she has probably spent the vast majority of her break thinking of and reliving the memories of making out with him in the room of requirements and then feeling guilty because she was crying and being like, well, how is he going to react when he sees me again? And Harry's just like, 
Nope, didn't give it a second thought okay. whatsoever. All right, time out. Time <laughs> out. Let's, in Harry's defense here. He's had a lot. He's had a lot on, going on. Would, but she wouldn't know that, you know? like She, she wouldn't, but, I mean, there's reasons for him not to, like, No, no, I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form. I mean, like, Harry should have given Cho a second thought over break. I mean, he saw. He had a lot. He had a lot going on. I just think that Cho probably has been thinking about it and that's why she was trying to hint at this valentine's day date but for harry when he sees her coming towards him it's almost like a oh shoot i remember what happened before we left that was the last time i talked to her now what's she gonna think it was like very quick well, like panicking think about it this way i don't know if you or any of our listeners have had that moment where you have like a first kiss with someone mm-hmm and then you don't talk to them for like two weeks. <laughs> like that's that's an awkward length of time. He should have texted, sent an owl. <laughs> sent an owl. He should have owled her. Is that wait what... like two or three days, and then be like, "Hey, that was really fun in the room requirement. Can't wait." For Can you imagine time. Umbridge intercepting that owl, being like, "Ugh." No one wants to read that. No teacher wants to read that. Keep your love life. The point is, that's a long gap after a first kiss uh, to just have a lack of communication between the two participants. Right. Which I also think is why Cho, when she came in, she wasn't flat out like, hey, go out with me on Valentine's hey, Day. Again, I'm going to defend Harry here. Mm-hmm. Other things on his mind. Mm-hmm. And he got there eventually. Eventually. He, he figured it out. He he's He's getting a little bit his... Brain is firing a little bit faster in this context now, where he's like, "Oh wait, she's trying to ask me out." Oh man, okay, and then he and then he got it done. He, <laughs> he got, got it done. It. I just think maybe if Cho had had more confidence, which I think was undermined the minute Harry was just kind of like, "Oh, so you want to know about like you know?" He he wasn't trying to be like, "Hey, Cho, how's it going?" Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't smooth. So I think that undermined her confidence right away. But if she had been more confident, she could have just been like, "Hey." Guess when the next Hogsmeade visit is? Valentine's Day. Hmm. The the romance holiday. Hey, remember how we were kissing? Want to go out with me? Well, like, okay. It's so obvious. No right? one, no one wants that. Everybody <laughs> need that. No, though. I thought she was appropriately hinting. She dropped the Hogsmeade date mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. That was the hint. That mm-hmm. was the. Boom. Here, I'm laying it out for you. Which, speaking of, who determines these Hogmeade's dates, like, for their visits? Because whoever did, like, they I just can't... just fell on a Saturday. Yeah, on a weekend. I, I can't imagine Filch was like, it's a good idea to do Valentine's Day for these No, days. it's probably not Filch. <laughs> like, was it Dumbledore? But regardless, like, I mean, if you're a romantic, then you could be like, yeah, I'm giving the kids the opportunity for, like, a fun little date. But if you're more of a cynic, you're like, these kids are going off into town without teacher supervision, and they're gonna have their Valentine's dates. All the bad things could go wrong. Why do you think there are so many teachers in Hogsmeade <laughs> when they go? True, maybe it's that. There are teachers everywhere. <laughs> anyway, um, or maybe they're having dates. Who knows? So we ultimately get to this Aquamancy lesson, right? And we we learn a lot. There is a lot of info dropped here. There really is. I mean, right off the bat, we know there's an opposite of aquamancy. Legilimency. Yes. So we find out that the reasons that Dumbledore wants these lessons to be had mm-hmm. is that 
Voldy is particularly skilled at a discipline of magic called legilimency. Which is the ability to extract feelings and memories from another person's mind. So Snape goes into this really interesting description of what the mind is Mm -hmm. because Harry drops the word mind reading and Snape rolls his eyes and like, that's a muggle way of looking at it. Your mind is that far off. (laughs) Your mind is a much more complex. It's not a book that you just open and read. Right. You really have to work. You have to search. You have to. It makes me think of like the maze that they have in Goblet of Fire like your brain, you have to navigate it. You have to do all the different turns and there's different obstacles in order to break through to actually get to the memory and, and read the thought or whatever. But Harry, I mean, after his description, he's like, I don't know, that still kind of sounds like mind reading to me. Snape go, then goes on to say, like, the Dark Lord almost always knows when someone is lying to him. Right. So to be able to shut that out... He says, those skilled at occlumency can shut down feelings and memories that contradict whatever lie you're trying to tell. Right. I imagine it's, it's very much like, yes, you shut down the, the accurate thoughts and you supply your own imaginative version of, like, an alternative that Voldemort would then be convinced by. But that'd be terrifying to, you know, try it against him. We, see if you succeed. Well, we do get the note... You know, as they're getting dropped off at Hogwarts, Lupin, you know, does his handshakes and goodbyes and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he leans into Harry and is like, hey, I know this is a, isn't ideal, but he is, Snape is really, really good. He calls him superb. Superb at Aquamancy. Mm-hmm. Take these seriously. Right. I think Harry does go into this lesson a little bit more willing to learn. And Harry has, for good reason... Uh, he, he goes into this lesson suspicious of Snape, mm-hmm. like wondering what the exact purpose of this is, why is Snape doing it, all of that kind of thing. And to Snape's credit here, he answers the questions. Yeah, he has a lot of questions, which I think in part he's like, oh, I'm finally getting answers. Okay, so tell me, like, why... Why did this happen? And wasn't this a good thing for me to be able to see into Voldemort's mind? Like, I saved Arthur, so why would Dumbledore want to shut that down? And Snape, to his credit, is very careful with how he answers these questions, which I think is a a difficult skill, especially since this is, like, he has insight into Dumbledore that Harry doesn't, that clearly Dumbledore doesn't want Harry to know yet. So you can't reveal too much because we know Harry. Harry is always digging for more information and does things uh, irrationally sometimes when he doesn't have that information. There, there's one particular thing that makes Snape pause and really think about his words. Mm-hmm. But I think before we get to that bit, this interaction between Harry and Snape, when they're just when Harry's asking questions and Snape is responding, I think this is actually... One of the more productive, positive, <laughs> one of the more productive and positive interactions between the two characters. 100%. Where Harry, at some point, whether it's his second or third or fourth question or whatever, starts to be like, oh, wait, Snape is actually giving me what I want to know. Right. And then he stops being... He's like the first adult so far that is actually answering his questions, other than Sirius, but... when he wanted to know what the like Order of the Phoenix was. But my point is, Harry starts this antagonistically. 
And I think at some point he stops being antagonistic and is genuinely just curious mm -hmm. because Snape is now giving him info. So he stops being like angry asking the questions and is now just so like, like passive aggressive snark. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. And now he's just having a mm -hmm. conversation mm -hmm. trying to figure out this info. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really important mm -hmm. interaction between the two. I would agree. So we also learn really quick because obviously Harry has questions about the night that all of this happened. And Snape is like, the reason you need to learn this is because Voldy is now aware. Right. He is aware of this connection between you. Harry starts <laughs> to think like, oh, he can he can get to me here, obviously. He might, might try and make me do things. And then Snape gives his own little Hogwarts a history lesson mm -hmm. where he says time and space matter. Right. Time and space matter in magic. Also, Hogwarts itself has a litany of ancient protective magic and spells and charms surrounding it so that its inhabitants are inherently protected. Mm -hmm. So the idea that even Voldy, as powerful as he is, he can't get to you here being so far away. Right. And then he gets to that point where eye contact is essential mm -hmm. for what he's trying to do as far as legitimacy goes. Right. But because Harry is Harry and a special boy, as you always say. Very um, special boy. Very special boy. Eye contact isn't necessarily a thing here. And whenever his mind is relaxed, aka sleeping, then he's been able to slip into his mind without realizing it. But the problem is now he knows. And since Voldemort knows... It's a really good idea to close off that connection. We don't want Voldemort in your brain. We get through all of the, you know, the, the preamble uh -huh. as it is. Snape is putting memories into the pensieve. He doesn't explain anything about which memories he's putting in or, or what he's doing. But he does that with no comment, puts it to the side. Then pulls out his wand. Then pulls out his wand, yeah. And then hits <clears> him with the Legilimens spell. And it takes uh, Harry by surprise, number one. And then you just get this flash of memories going through Harry's mind. Well, because all Snape really said was, like, you're going to use similar um, reflective skills as you used for the Imperius curse. Well, he says specifically, I've been told you have an, a particular aptitude mm -hmm. for throwing this off. Yeah, so like, similar to that. And go. And it's like, whoa, I wasn't ready. <laughs> well, and I think, by the way, you know... Snape is chiding Harry throughout this entire thing of, like, Potter, think about it for a second. Mm -hmm. Even you can't be dumb enough to not know this or X or Y or Z. But then he does have the, I've been told you have a particular aptitude for that. In terms of the memories, though, that flash in his brain, he said there's, like, jealousy of Dudley when he was, like, four or five years old, watching him ride, like, a little bike. There was Ripper the Bulldog chasing him around. The Dursleys refusing to call him off. Um, being told that he would be in Slytherin by the Sorting Hat. Hermione is a cat back in the Chamber of Secrets. The Dementor is closing in on him. And then Cho about to kiss him. And he was like, no, you're not seeing that one. And that helped him get through the uh, through the spell. So gets him through the spell. He realizes that he's like gone down to a knee or both knees or whatever. And he did a stinging hex on Snape is like. Snape. Rubbing his arm and is like, did you mean to do that? Mm -hmm. And Harry's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And Snape is like, 
okay, that's what I figured. Right. But he said for a first attempt that was not as poor as it might have been. He actually gave him a compliment. It's two compliments in like the span of a couple of pages there. I know. Um, anymore and i feel like he'd keel over but that's what i'm saying wrong with me that's what i'm saying is like this interaction Mm -hmm. up until about literally right now that interaction (laughs) was very positive Mm -hmm. snape ends up saying quote repel me with your brain and you will not need to resort to your wand Mm -hmm. and obviously you this has to be where it goes because if you're against voldy and you're trying to just tell a lie Mm -hmm. You can't have can't your, out your wand. Yeah, he'll just kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be able to do I this. I don't need to read your mind. You're just dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you have to do this as covertly as possible. Right. Otherwise, it's a You're moot dead. point. Yeah. Uh, so he says, "Clear your mind, Potter. Let go of all emotion. Mm-hmm. Close your mind to like all all thoughts, all feelings." And all Harry's like, "You're attacking my mind." I hate you. (laughs) Not following directions. I'm nervous because you have a wand pointed at me and you're telling me to close my eyes when you have a wand pointed at me. Have you ever tried to follow Snape's advice? I have. How'd it go for you? Uh, So, ultimately, Snape's homework to Harry, Mm -hmm. and there's one thing before he gets to the homework, but we'll get there. Okay. But he says, for homework, rid your mind of all emotion every night before sleep. Mm-hmm. make it blank and calm mm-hmm. and in that aspect to your question yes uh i have tried that because sometimes and i know some of our listeners have you know uh, commented, ta- about commented to us yeah. about how sometimes they listen to this podcast because they have anxiety mm-hmm. or you know insomnia, what, insomnia or whatever and thank you for listening <laughs> but i you know sometimes that happens to me at night and <clears throat> If I just can't get to bed or I'm or that anxiety pops in and all I could think about is like some stupid thing I said in fourth grade that made people think <laughs> I was weird for five seconds. Yep. You know, something like that. And that's the only thing running through my mind. So I will try to be like, okay, take a deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. Mm-hmm. Like just think of black, like just go black. Go blank. Yeah. In my head and just be like. Okay, just focus on the fact that it's clear, it's it's blank, it's calm. I'm successful in doing that. Mm. The trick, however... Maintaining it? Maintaining it. <laughs> How long can you maintain that before your brain kicks back? Yeah. And I think that's partially the issue here is, like, that's fine. But if you're trying to hold this occlumency thing mm-hmm. for an extended period of time... Mm-hmm. That is remarkably difficult. It's a lot of repressing those emotions. Every time I get insomnia, I always, always, always think of like, okay, Snape said, clear your mind. So then my mind immediately goes to Harry Potter. So I don't clear my mind. It's a problem. (laughs) So really quick, before he gets to the homework part, Mm -hmm. there's a a key sequence in that second round of Aquamancy. Oh, the one that really unnerves Name? Yes. Yeah. Because he gets into the memories where Harry's walking down a corridor, and uh, I think it's Arthur says, you know, turn left here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Harry starts yelling. Harry snap uh, snaps out of the the memory sequence, and he looks at Snape, and it's almost as if Snape pulled out. Yeah. Not Harry 
Harry didn't it. stop it, yeah, because he said he was yelling like, "I know, I know," and Snape's like, "Oh shoot, what's this?" Yeah, Snape. Snape pulled down and is like, <laughs> you know "Uh, what? what was that? <laughs> Can you explain that?" Uh huh. And he tells him it's the Department of Mysteries, and and then it clicks into Harry's head like, "Oh, I no, I know where this is now." Right, and he says. What's in the Department of Mysteries? And Snape is very careful with it. This is the response. first time Snape... Because Snape's been fairly open this entire time. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time Snape has to measure his words. Mm-hmm. And really consider them carefully. And he basically says how, like, there's lots of things in the Department of Mysteries. None of them concern you. Let it go. Which is a fair and good response, really. From from his point of view. Right. From his point of view, it's a, it's a pretty solid response. Right. Not satisfying for Harry, though. No, I, I think Albus would approve of that response. <laughs> <laughs> but, Probably. But yeah. But yeah, he gave him his homework, which um, Harry's, you know, thrilled about. But he felt very, like, weak afterwards, which makes sense. You had your brain attacked, your mind attacked. And he said he doesn't really like Aquamancy all that much. Uh, yeah, so we, we do have some more to talk about Aquamancy, and we will do that in the spoiler section, because we're kind of running along here in the non-spoiler, so we're going to talk, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this whole Aquamancy thing, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Snape and how he handled this whole thing, but before we get to the end of the chapter, uh, we also had an interesting moment as Harry gets back to, first the library, and then to Ron and Hermione, uh, in the common room, we get Fred and George demonstrating their new magic. Yeah, their headless hats. The headless hats, which even Hermione is like, actually, that's kind of impressive. Yeah, because she was like, I mean, it's an invisibility spell, but how do they maintain it on just this small area, but then have it affect just the one area, and it can't last all that long. It's an interesting charm, and Harry's just like, oh my gosh, I can't, I, I need to go to bed. What do you think nearly headless Nick thinks of these hats? I don't think he has any thoughts other than I wish I could just eat food. <laughs> I feel like he's probably <laughs> like, I don't like the idea of them being able to be headless or, when I can't be headless. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, that's probably, <laughs> but that's probably his thought 99% of the day. <laughs> so I don't think that changes much. Either have a head or don't have a head. Don't go in between. Uh, so Harry goes to bed <laughs> and then before he even gets to bed, he falls over and just feels this maniacal laughter. Right. And he feels happier than he'd been in a very, very long time. And then I think Ron, like, slaps him awake. Well, he said that he was, he realized he was also laughing yeah. maniacally, which he wasn't intending to do. He just thought he heard it. But no, he was physically Hermione doing sent it. up Ron to check on him, which was wise. Very smart. <laughs> yeah, <part>. wise. <laughs> and then let's not go over the fact that I think Ron hit him to, to wake him up. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Ron hit him. Yeah. And yeah. And, and then Harry just tells Ron, like, this is bad. He feels real, real happy. That's the chapter. Yeah. So before we get um, to the spoiler section, I just want to shout out a commenter on Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 14, Percy and Padfoot, Los underscore Shelby, mm-hmm. who uh, gave us a comment on that chapter. She says, quote, uh, I have a few cats and the connection between Filch and Mrs. Norris is way beyond a normal connection. I've heard rumors that she's part Nasal. Oh, so this goes back to our conversation of is the Filch Mrs. Norris connection Correct. crazy or not? And I said she goes, cats and their can owners know each other very she well. She continues with same with Crookshanks. Yeah. End quote. 
Um, thank you, Los underscore Shelby, for that comment. If you stick with us in the, the spoiler section, we might discuss your thought a little bit more. Might or will definitely. We might start with that comment. <laughs> in the spoiler section. Spoiler alert! <laughs> so we will be right back with the spoiler section. Come back. It's going to be a really good conversation, not only on the measle Mrs. Norris part, but again, uh, with Snape and Aquamancy and a bunch of different things. So... We'll be right back. Hey everyone, welcome back to the spoiler section of chapter 24, Aquamancy. And as I promised, we will pick up with the Neasel conversation that Los underscore Shelby commented on with us. So essentially, a Neasel is a very intelligent cat-like creature, so it's essentially a magical cat. Hmm. Uh, the, the special thing about a, a Neasel, it can detect unsavory or suspicious people and will react badly to them. Mm -hmm. Also, if it takes a liking to a witch or wizard, it, it makes an excellent pet for them. Mm -hmm. So JK has confirmed specifically that Crookshanks, Hermione's cat, is part measles. Which makes sense considering how Crookshanks reacted to Sirius when he was... And know. Scabbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It recognized both. It recognized Scabbers, very much not innocent. Bad person. And Sirius Good very much person. is innocent. Uh -huh. So it reacted, um, Crookshanks reacted appropriately there. She does, there is a note that says uh, specifically, I think JK has mentioned on Twitter, mm -hmm. that Mrs. Norris is not part Neasel. Which is interesting. However, she does have Neasel-like qualities. What I thought was interesting was it said a little tidbit about Mrs. Fig that she breeds cats that are like crossed with measles, which makes me just like in my fandom, in my, my, my head canon, maybe she bred Crookshanks and then Hermione got Crookshanks and it's like, oh, look at that little connection there. It's a potential connection that you can draw. Oh, yeah. Fun. Um, so that's kind of our like recap on the whole measles thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting comment. So thank you very much for. I still say cats and, the, and their owners have a very special bond, but I guess I can give everyone that. Yeah, Mrs. Norris is a little extra special with Mr. Filch. Mr. Filch, really? Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Another tiny, tiny, tiny thing that I've never caught before was what you said with. Lupin and Tonks when they were whispering in the kitchen. This is like the very first tiny hint that they have a romance brewing. I didn't take it that way. Really? I thought I, I thought it was just. I, I don't get me wrong. I understand that in the the blank space between words. Yeah. Like this timeline, this that has to be occurring. Yeah. But I took it as strictly. Order business? Order business. That's how I've always read it. This was the first time I was like, oh, I wonder if... Because I thought... I think I've always read it as like there's lots of adults in the room. But this time I saw it and I was like, wait, it's just those two. And they're having a little whispered conversation and they immediately shut up when the kids walk in. It could be romance. It could be. And I like I said, I understand that that has to be going on. Right. And this time, but... I, I've just, I always read it as Order of the Phoenix business. I have kids. I was a little... Especially given their personalities, mm -hmm. that entire ride 
Mm-hmm. Like Tonks is not in a romantic mood. She's in an all business <laughs> she's, mood. She's acting like she's disguised to be like this old cranky grandma kind of. No, thing. she's in a mood, and she. I feel like she is described constantly as like watchful. Mm-hmm. She's keeping an eye out. She's mm-hmm. looking in both directions. She pays. I think she pays the night bus guys a little extra to get their spot on time faster. She does, yeah. Like she is in a mood and i don't know if she has like intel from the ministry of magic like hey there's some things going on Mm -hmm. or there's some movement or there's whatever but she is on it like today there's not asking her like there's not asking harry oh you think the divination like (laughs) oh do you think like there's no chit chat and she's like boom 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 like let's get to business i don't know i don't know she she just seems very focused in this particular scene yeah yeah I did want to mention something that Zach from Bladed Binge and I talked about uh, last week mm-hmm. about the idea of Harry becoming a a stronger wizard to come face to face with Voldy in, in later books and his development as a wizard. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this branch of magic that we're talking about in this chapter could be a massive stepping stone towards Harry actually being able to go Step for step, spell for spell with Voldy. Yeah, I mean, this isn't necessarily a normal magic. Hermione's not diving into it. She knows of it, but Hermione's not. It's a particular it. branch, but I feel like Harry. And I get that Harry says that Snape's not really teaching him well, and we can get into that in a second, mm-hmm. but I don't think Harry takes this as seriously as he should. I think he needs to have a different mindset about it. Which Dumbledore later acknowledges. He's like, I should have taught you. Clearly, there were... I thought you and Snape could get over this, but clearly I was wrong. Well, it's not like Snape's... He's got a grudge, yeah. But uh, like I said, he starts off this lesson fairly well. Mm -hmm. And I think... Snape, for whatever his faults, and he has many, mm-hmm. he knows the importance to this. Right. He knows there's a problem here that Albus takes seriously, therefore I should take seriously. Right. And I mean, like, it's the same whenever I'm trying to help a kid that I don't particularly love. Like, I'm still going to do my job <laughs> because that's what my job is. And that's fine, but this is like a life or death thing. Right. <laughs> like, right. If, if Voldy finds a way into Harry... This endangers everything. everything. Right. So Snape does put a lot of his stuff aside, mm-hmm. it, even literally putting it aside into a pencil, <laughs> which we'll also get to. Into. <laughs> but um, he puts that aside and is like, no, I got to teach you this. Right. Like, let's focus. Let's get on this. And I don't know that Harry ever takes it the way he should. And I get that it's particularly difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a hard branch of magic. He almost left Grimwald Place because he was afraid of Voldy entering his mind. Now he has a answer for that. Right. And he doesn't really take it as appropriately as he should have. This is one moment where Draco ends up one-upping Harry Potter. Because mm-hmm. we learn later that it's not only Snape that's good at this. Mm-hmm. Other Death Eaters are also good at this. Mm-hmm. Bellatrix is a particularly accomplished Legilimens, right. and 
Aquamancy. Right. So she ends up teaching Draco mm -hmm. how to do this, and Draco seems to pick up on it fairly well. Well, he sees the value of closing his mind. Harry sees the value of getting the insight into Voldemort's mind, and he his natural curiosity. He can't overtake it, even though his better sense, if he were listening to Hermione, would say, "No, shut that down." I it think it takes a hard lesson for him to realize. Like I, I, I should have done it. I think this is a step towards Harry becoming that formidable wizard that I think we all want him to be by book seven. Uh -huh. And he doesn't get there, obviously. Hmm. Uh, but at the same time, going back to what you were kind of just hinting towards, Harry doesn't want to do it for certain reasons. And you get into this kind of philosophical argument that him and Snape kind of tangentially get to of it's better to wear your heart on your sleeve, mm -hmm. Harry's perspective. Or Snape's perspective, no, you got to shut down this emotion because it's betraying you. He said, fools who wear their hearts proudly on their sleeves, who cannot control their emotions, who wallow in sad memories and allow themselves to be provoked this easily. Weak people, in other words, they stand no chance against his powers, his meaning Voldemort. Yeah. So boil that down. Snape believes that emotion and emotional emotion reactions... Well, they'll betray you. Mm -hmm. They will betray you. And Harry's perspective is emotions Save make you. you stronger. Well, it makes sense because from Harry's perspective, emotions, his mother's love, saved him from Voldemort. For Snape, showing emotion, showing that vulnerability would get him killed. Do you take a side in this argument? Wearing your heart on your sleeve or shutting it down? Of which is like the better to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... I don't know if there's a better way, but I know which way I tend to do, which is wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a very open book, and it's sometimes it's a problem. <laughs> what about you? Um, <laughs> I tend to keep things a little bit more closer to the vest. Uh -huh. I have a I have a poker face about me. Uh -huh. Um, I definitely do not. <laughs> I I have more of a poker face. That doesn't mean that I don't like let my emotions out. Uh -huh. I certainly do. Because it's not healthy mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to keep them all piled in all the time. That being said, there is value to keeping some things closer to the chest mm -hmm. and not like letting you know yourself fly off the handle every now and then. I don't think I always. The answer is both. The answer is both. Yeah, like I don't think I always fly off the handle, but I think when I'm feeling a certain emotion, like I feel it very strongly, and. I usually have to work through it before I can go focus on something else. It's harder to like compartmentalize it the way that Snape's able to. Oh, I'm able to compartmentalize. Uh, that I'm able to do I'm better. I'm not good at that. <laughs> that I'm able to do better. But uh, I, I think the answer is both. I think you need a balance uh -huh. of both. And you need to be able to discern what's the best moment for which strategy. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy. That's, mm -hmm. That takes practice and it takes knowing yourself and knowing the situation it's not easy to do it takes training right how do you feel about snape's teaching of this particular class i feel like he did a good job of explaining the why he has to learn it why is important and the what that it is i think the how could have been developed a little bit more but it to be fair it is one of those things where it's like you got to experience it first to kind of understand what it's going to feel like and what it's going to do to you. 
So it's kind of similar to like, I mean, when Lupin said that you're going to see a Bogart and it's going to become your fear. Okay, cool. But I got to now see it to really understand just how much it might paralyze me or, or how extreme it might be. Same with like a Dementor. Like, okay, you're told it's going to suck the happiness from you. Okay, uh, that's fine in theory, but until you actually experience it for the first time, you don't understand how cold and and like uh, like how much it it, it controls drains you. you. Yeah, yeah, like it it completely freezes you. Um, so I I think this is one of the things where it's like okay, you learn trial by fire, but I think after the first time of doing it, maybe he could have done a better job of like okay, so now that you know what it feels like here are some strategies that you can use other than just like a stinging hex out of nowhere that you weren't intending to try to clear your mind and block, block the emotions and, and, and defend yourselves against these thoughts, which I think the reason why he doesn't as much is because this, I I feel like this for Snape is both like it's second nature by this point and he probably also was good at it to begin with and he's had so much practice with it so you think his natural talent for it Mm -hmm. is obscuring his ability to teach Teach it it. yeah Um, i think you see some of that in in his teaching of occlumency he's like i'm telling you what to do right you're not listening do it right (laughs) like so i think it is it's just it's such a secondhand nature thing for him it, it just comes so naturally and to see Harry not do it, it's like, okay, well, why aren't you? And here we go. I guess let's try it again. Let's try it again until you are able to get it. But I, I think the explaining of like, okay, this is how I do it. See if maybe this strategy could work. I mean, if he wants to start bringing like, I don't know, like meditation or yoga or like bringing some kitties think... and, and like, Relax around them. I don't know. Who do you think taught Snape this? Do you think Dumbledore taught Snape this when he gave him the assignment to... That's a good question. ...be the double agent? I don't know, because it it seems like a lot of the Slytherins especially seem to be practiced with this. I mean, I was reading up on the whole Occlumency thing in general, and one of the websites I was looking at said how um, Salazar Slytherin had been one... And it's thought that, like, the reason why the Sorting Hat is able to sort the students is because it can see into their minds. So Slytherin must have, like... Imparted some of his... Yeah, like, passed on that part of himself. So I don't know if maybe it was, like, he stumbled upon it on a book and was self-taught, or there was... I mean, we know Snape didn't have a very good home life, and maybe part of his way of escaping his, his... the reality of his situation was diving deeper into his mind and kind of closing off the arguments he heard with his parents and that kind of stuff. Or maybe someone in the Slytherin common room taught him someday. We don't really know. My guess would just be it's more of a, a self-taught thing, though. Try to cope with I, I life at home. I mean, I get that you could practice the idea of it mm-hmm. at home. But I don't think... You, you, you can't practice at home and then walk into... Oh, no, Boldy. you can't go into Voldemort. You like have that. to have someone maybe, try to... Maybe in his... I mean, maybe once he turned from Voldemort after Lily died and went to Dumbledore, maybe Dumbledore helped helped him 
like fine-tune it before being like okay you ready theory is you one actually thing. ready for Voldemort? okay this, this is try. one thing where theory is one thing but you need to practice this. i could see it as as practicing with dumbledore to the point of like okay if you can trick me then i think you're ready for Voldemort. or if you could just throw me off yeah so going back to my original question uh-huh. does snape do a a fair job here teaching i think for his first time teaching this, as well as Harry's first time learning it, they both did the best that they could. Very diplomatic answer. <laughs> I do want to double back on something you were talking about just briefly. We don't have to get into a, a whole lot of it. The idea that Salazar Slytherin imparted his legitimacy skills mm. into the, the sorting hat. hat. Yeah. How do you think the other founders, or what do you think the other founders then imparted upon the the sorting hat because uh, obviously all four of the founders gave something of themselves to right. it to make it work the way it does right it's a good question so you're thinking slytherin imparted some of his legitimacy skills to help with the actual sorting process mm-hmm. it was... i could see ravenclaw is giving some like insight to the actual learning ability maybe of each maybe she gave some personality to the hat maybe like some actual like some ai some artificial (laughs) intelligence to the hat gave him the ability to entertain itself by writing the poems over (laughs) here the songs over here and then obviously it was gryffindor's hat so he donated the hat (laughs) (laughs) and then here's my contribution i'm helping (laughs) and then and then Hufflepuff, uh, we know, is a particularly gifted charms mm-hmm. user. So maybe she's the one that brought the hat to literal life in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. So. You think it's charms? Yeah. It wouldn't, it be, trans- to be, it wouldn't be transfiguration. Because mm-hmm. phase is a hat. Correct. Yeah. Probably be a charm to make the hat actually talk. So next thing we're going to talk about um, in the spoiler section is that pensive that right. Snape has in his office that he took some of his memories and put them into the pensive. I always get excited whenever the pensive comes into play. What memories do you think he put into the pensive? Anything related to Lily. He's got a lot to protect. Right. I mean, he's got to shield Harry... From the inner workings of both the Order mm-hmm. and the Death Eaters. Because mm-hmm. if Harry knows any bit of any of that... It backfires. It backfires because he's right. going to want to do something about it. Which, that that alone encompasses <laughs> so much. Like, there's so much to just that. See, I don't think he puts any of that in. And I think the reason is because he doesn't believe that Harry is going to be strong enough to break into that stuff. But we know he does put in the memory of taking the owls his fifth year and having Lily call him, or when he accidentally calls Lily a mudblood and then Lily like storms off and then he's turned upside down and shows his underwear and it's like super embarrassing. That's like... That's the one memory, but I I feel like he puts any memory about Lily into the pensive because that of all his secrets is the one he wants to protect and keep from Harry as much as possible. Because he only pulled, like, three memories from his brain. I don't know if it's, like, 
you're able to clump all the memories together as much as possible, but he only put his wand to his head like a handful of times. Unless he had preloaded the pensieve before Harry came <laughs> I mean, in. He could have. <laughs> he could have. One other final spoiler from this chapter. So Sirius gave him the package. Harry doesn't open it. And when he finally does, it's after Sirius has already died. And then it's like, oh, what's this? Oh, shoot. I remember what this is. And he pulls it out and it's a mirror. Which the fact that it's the size of a paperback book. And there's the note that said, you know, James and I used to use this when we were in different detentions. We could talk to each other, still hang out, still. It's like, okay. So essentially this mirror that's the size of a paperback book would be like you FaceTiming with someone on an iPad. I don't understand how any of these teachers let them get away with doing that in their detention. They're marauders. They invented the marauders map. I don't they care. Are Every clever detention enough. Harry has had has been like the teacher hovering no, over him. No, 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 him. no. We're not talking about Harry. We're talking about <laughs> Sirius Black. <laughs> James Potter. Okay, I'm 100% picturing them the way my students do, of just having this stupid mirror in their laps and being, like, looking down and be like, <laughs> at their laps. And like, Probably. Okay, really? Like, that's what your phone is. But, no. So he opens it, like, only when it has no use anymore. And then he throws it and it shatters. And then, yes, he keeps the shard of the mirror, which does come in handy. But it's just like, this is such one of those plot things. It just makes me mad. One, like, if, like, why did Sirius wait until now? All last year, he was struggling with communicating with him. We know he had to do it through the fire, and we later see when Harry tries it in the fire, it's very uncomfortable well, to stick your head in a fire and sit on your knees for, like, an hour. So if he had just been like, hey, I was home, went through my room, found my little mirror. Why don't you have this mirror and we can chat with each other and it'll be a lot easier than sending owls that could be potentially, like, you know, caught by people and you'd have to result to codes and all that. Like, this would have been so much easier. And then if he had this mirror that I'm sure Sirius had with him, like, at all times when Harry went back to Hogwarts, like, I'm sure he had it on him at all times. I was just waiting for the day when Harry would be like, hey, you know, like, him in the mirror. Like, I, I just get this, this, like, melancholy feeling of Sirius had this mirror, had this gift that Harry never uses, but he probably had on him at all times, just in case. And then if he had used it, open the package, then he would have never fallen trap. He would have never had to go to the Department of Mysteries. He wouldn't have had to break into Umbridge's office and stick his head in that fire. Creature wouldn't have been able to trick him. And it's a plot thing, but it makes me mad. It's it's obviously a egregious error on Harry's behalf mm -hmm. because Harry has to at least open this thing, number one. Number two... He's got to realize that if you're afraid of luring Sirius out into the open, one way to do that, to not do that, is to talk, talk to, him. to him. Yes. And this is, you know, a, a way to do that. And I, and I get Harry's in a certain state himself. I understand that. But it's just one of those times where it's like, oh, here's a thing. But become distracted from it and never go back to it until it's too late. He does that so often. Yeah, it it's a fatal flaw on his part. But I will say this. Communication's a two-way street. Sirius needs to do a better job of communicating not only to him in that instance, but also 
Why can't you use the mirror? I'm just imagining like Harry laying in bed at night or like just Neville in his room by himself. And then like, be like, Harry, Harry, <laughs> like coming from Harry's trunk and Neville being like, where's this coming from? <laughs> Seriously, though. I mean, like, why can't, you know, that happen mm-hmm. unless it needs to be like, I don't, I don't know the specific magic of this mirror, but he said he has to like speak his name into the mirror and then it like shows up for the other person. It just reminds me of like FaceTiming it's, somebody. It's unfortunate that this mirror comes into play with Aberforth and not Sirius, because that could have changed the entire. And I get that that's the point. It could have changed the entire right. outlook of this series. But whatever. She she had her her reasons for doing it, and that's fine. It's just a communication that Umbridge wouldn't have been able to break into. I mean, all all Sirius had to do was, like, instead of sending an owl, instead of trying the flu network... Yeah, talk to me in the mirror. Talk to me in this. Yeah. Makes me mad every time I read it. Well, on Elizabeth (laughs) being upset, we will end the episode. (laughs) On a Elizabeth being obsessed with little minute points of the book, like Get over the shrunken Get over the shrunken (laughs) Dad, you need to just get over it. Anyway, we will end it here. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for commenting on the episodes on Spotify. Please continue to repost the episodes so we continue to grow. Please continue to like, review, comment, participate in our polls that are on Spotify. That really helps us and how we can interact with you guys and shape the conversation. If you look wherever you can find this podcast, there's two links. One, you can leave a voicemail Mm. and actually maybe become part of the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your voices. And then the other link is uh, donate or support the podcast. And that makes it available to donate financially to us. And every little bit helps. It's a lot of effort and a lot of work that goes into putting these out. So we really appreciate any help that you're willing to give, whether financially or just reposting. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Pod.